0: I'm going to give you guys a heads up. This passage of scripture that we have before you is pretty cool. We're, it's a little messed up. Uh, this family has a lot of family issues. But I'm really excited to dive into uh, Genesis once again with you guys. Because we're really going to consider together our predicament. Um, we're not always privy to know what God's up to. Do you guys know that? Okay. Uh, We don't always know his plans, Uh, and we have seen thus far in our study of Genesis together with the birth uh, God promised to Rebecca, um, there's a twist with her twins, and despite the custom of their day, we were told that the younger is going to end up serving, uh, or sorry, the, the older son will end up serving the younger, so that's a little backwards, and we considered the birthright there of Esau and how Jacob got that. But this unexpected twist, it really pleased Rebecca because you remember the promise that God had made to Rebecca in regards to her kids, um, and she liked the fact that God chose Jacob because Jacob was mama's boy, right? <laughs> so she was pleased in that. Um, So much so, she decided to help God out. And do you guys know that God doesn't actually need our help? Do you know that? Yeah, he's pretty big and powerful. He can do whatever he wants on his own. Um, But uh, with this, we're going to see this morning, uh, if Rebecca had chosen to be patient and trusted God, he would have fulfilled his promise in a beautiful and harmonious way. But since Rebecca was not privy to God's plan, She concocted her own and really brought her family into a a war, okay? Uh, And we're going to see that all fall apart here in Genesis 27. So this is a fascinating study this morning for us on the providence, the sovereignty of God. Um, So everyone, whether we like it or not, we reap the consequences of our choices. And bad choices are included. You guys know that? God is not mocked. Okay? Your sin will find you out, and what we sow, we will reap. And we really see that play out in the lives of this family. And ultimately, even despite us, you guys know that God still accomplishes his purposes. I love that about God. Do you guys know that he is on the throne today in heaven? He is seated there. He sees it. He knows the future, and he's going to accomplish what he wants. So let's jump into this chapter here. Genesis 27, now it came to pass. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that means he's going blind, right? Um, Esau, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son! And he answered, Here I am! So Isaac lived long before spectacles or laser surgery. And it says, Then he said, Behold, now I am old, and I am not, or I don't know the day of my death. Now therefore... Please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go into the field and hunt for a game for me and make some savory food so or such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. So Isaac was afraid to die. Are you guys afraid to die? No. I hope not. We have so much to look forward to guys, you know. But ironically, he ends up living another 43 years. He thought he was at the end, okay? But that was not God's plan with him. According to chapter 25, verse 17, Ishmael died when he was at the age of 137. So Isaac is now the same age and probably thinking, well, he went then. I'm probably going to go too. So apparently Isaac liked the taste of venison. Any you guys like some good, delicious buck? No, my wife doesn't really like it unless I do it up really good with some seasonings and stuff. I like venison. But that's what he wanted for his last meal here. Okay, Um, He sends off Esau, the son that liked to hunt into the field to get some for him. Now look at verse 5. Now Rebecca was listening when she spoke to Esau, or when Isaac spoke to Esau's son. So she was dropping some eaves there, eavesdropping on the conversation. Rebecca recalled God's promise, okay, that he had made to these children. Now the older would serve the younger. So she wondered how God was going to, you know, reserve that birthright for Jacob. Um, And now she sees her husband fading and thinking like, oh boy, it's going down. Uh, We're running out of time. So she devises her own plan here. And something I want us to get and understand is God never runs out of time. Do you guys know that? I'm in a hurry. I don't like that about myself, okay? I don't think that's of the Lord. But there's a tendency where we're in a hurry and we feel like we have to get all of this stuff done. Well, the reality, guys, our God is never in a hurry. He's getting done exactly what he wants to get done in his timing. And we don't have to, you know, remember we don't have his war plan here. We don't know exactly what he's always up to. And I'm okay with that because I want us to catch as we go through this. If, like Rebecca, and I know a lot of times we ask God, like, we just want to know the future. What are you doing? What's going to happen i think it's a grace that he isn't telling us all the time what's around the corner because if we knew what he was up to we might do exactly what rebecca does and takes things into our own hands to try to make it happen so let's learn from her here and esau went into the field to hunt game and to bring it so rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make me savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I have commanded you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. Well, this was a well-thought-out plan. When uh, I was in Haiti, they fed us a lot of goat meat. And what I know about goat meat, it tastes nothing like venison. Very different. So Rebecca obviously knew how to get this goat to taste like venison, okay? Okay. Um, So she was thinking through this whole plan of hers. But something I want us to catch, guys, is I don't care how slick and how sophisticated, how clever our plans might be, you never, ever can accomplish the will of God through your flesh. Isn't going to happen, okay? Hebrews 6.12 tells us that it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. It is a faith thing. It's not a flesh thing. Now, verse 11 says, Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. You guys remember his name was hairy? He was really a hairy dude. And I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. I want you guys to notice Jacob isn't concerned with the morality of the plan. So he's not asking if it's right. Okay? All he cares about is if he's going to get caught. Guys got that? Don't do that. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get them for me. So Rebecca's thrown caution to the wind here. She doesn't care about what is right or what is wrong. She only cares about getting the best for her boy. You know, moms and dads, be careful. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. And then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins on the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And then she gave savory food and bread, which he had prepared in the hand of her son Jacob. So she tried to cover all the bases here. Okay, She had it all together. Okay, here's Rebecca conniving with her son. So he could have, the reality is, Jacob could have stood up and said, uh-uh, I refuse, I'm not doing this. Instead, he participates. And then verse 18 says, so he went to his father and said, my father. Now, the Bible guys say that, um, you know, says that he went and had this conversation Uh, with his dad. But what do we know of Esau? Jacob's brother was pretty like masculine, wasn't he? He was like a man's man. He's out in the field hunting. So I could see Jacob here coming in and talking with his dad, trying to be a manly man. Hey, Dad, uh, I got some savory food for you. I just got a buck. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I picture in my head, at least. Anyways, verse 23 tells us that Jacob's impression here It didn't work. It said, and he said, Here I am. Uh, Who are you, my son? And Jacob said, uh, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you've told me. Please arise, sit, and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. This is scary. This is a scary scripture, guys. He's bringing God into his lie. That is using the Lord's name in vain. Don't bring God into your sin. Verse 21 says, Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you're really my son Esau or not. So this is what Jacob and Rebekah were anticipating. And apparently Isaac smelled a rat. Okay, He was a little suspicious here. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and he said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he said, he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So we blessed him. And then he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, bring it near to me and I will eat my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. And I'm sure Jacob brought Isaac a big old bottle of wine. I got to get you a little, you know, slushed, slush, was sauced, <laughs> dad. I'm going to get you drunk so you don't know what's going on here. And I think it's really cool because Isaac's a neat guy to study. In the scriptures, apparently he had a check in his spirit here. Something was off. That initial suspicion um, might have been God's warning to him. But catch guys, his desire for physical pleasure, it drowned out any spiritual discernment that he might have had here. So Isaac listened to his stomach rather than listening to God. Verse 26 says, Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him and smelled the smell of his clothing. And he blessed him and he said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. So in other words, what we know about Esau, is his hygiene wasn't too good. Therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So this is the promise that God had made to Abraham back in chapter 12, and now is passed on to Isaac, not Ishmael, and now is being passed on to Jacob, not Esau. But it didn't have to happen as a result of a ruse. Rebekah didn't know God's plan, so she conducted or her own here. And really the consequences of it, they are devastating. Um, so you start to see some pain that she caused here in verse 30. It says, now it happened. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat his son's game, and your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came. And I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. Notice, Isaac didn't become angry. Instead, we're told he trembled exceedingly. Perhaps it dawned on him that God's will was done. Okay, Not because of him, but in spite of him. And that he had been spiritually insensitive to what God wanted all along. So Isaac could have been resistant to what you know, he knew to be God's will and God's desire um, you know, to break with custom here. And it stuns Isaac that God has gone over his head. So Isaac realizes that God in his sovereignty has accomplished his will without him. So hey, God will always get done what he wants to get done with us, or without us you guys know that i'd rather be with him though amen amen verse 34 when esau heard the words of his father he cried with exceedingly great and a bitter cry and he said to his father bless me me also oh my father but he said your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing and esau said Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And now look, he has taken away my blessing. So Jacob means supplanter, double crosser. He's the deceiver, right? So Esau says, my brother has lived up to his name. So Jacob exhorted his brother and deceived I'm um, sorry extorted his brother and he deceived his father here look at verse 36 and Esau said have you not reserved a blessing for me and then Isaac answered and said to Esau indeed I have made him your master and all his brother and I have given him as servants with grain and wine I have sustained him With sh- and what shall I do now for you my son and Esau said to his father have you only one blessing my father Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice, and he wept. At first we feel sorrow, a little pity for Esau, don't we? But I want us to catch what the New Testament tells us concerning the plight of Esau, the context around his life. Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, verse 14, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springs up to cause trouble, and by this many may be defiled, lest you become a fornicator and a profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright, For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So Esau cried. He showed remorse, but no repentance. You guys see the difference? That was Esau's problem. Okay, He was never willing to change and to conform to the will of God. And it's interesting, Isaac refused to reverse what he had done. I suppose he could have revoked what had happened, but instead he lets it stand. We're told in Hebrews 11.20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. So Isaac sensed the providence had prevailed and he accepted the situation as the will of God. But there's a secondary blessing that is given to Esau. Look at verse 39 then isaac his father answered and said to him behold your your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above in your sword or by your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck so after exodus of egypt the hebrews they will return to the land and esau's descendants the edomites they become subservient to Judah. So the submission lasts for 600 years until the reign of King Jeroram, which is in uh, 850 BC. And we're told in 2 Chronicles 21.8, in the days of Edom, revolted against Judah's authority and made king over themselves. So this was predicted a 1,000 years beforehand. Hebrews Uh, tells us that Esau never found repentance because of that root of bitterness blocked any progress. And that's why you and I need to watch out for that root of bitterness. Don't allow that to happen, guys. Bitterness is a blocker, and it blocks us from God's blessings. I think about how many people are walking around and they're holding on to some bitterness, some grudge, some unforgiveness, and all it's doing is stunting their growth. Stunting the blessings of God in their life. Do you guys know that unforgiveness is so ugly? Jesus said, You forgive. Forgive as I forgive in you. Forgive. Why does He tell us to do that? Because He loves us. You know, when we forgive others, we are actually freed. I think about how many people are in bondage, entrapped because of unforgiveness. God doesn't want that. Don't allow that bitterness. Well, how do I do that? We can do that in Christ. Man, what has he forgiven us of? How can't we forgive someone else? Okay, doesn't mean we need to trust them, but we do need to forgive them. Okay? Um, Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Let's move on. You guys know that pride sucks, right? We're celebrating a lot of pride. Pride's sin. Okay, I don't want to talk about that. Let's move on. Esau's bitterness is very obvious. Let's look at verse 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So I'm sure it hit her, you know, what kind of monster have I created, right? What have I done to my family? Her plan here has put her kids at odd with one another. The older son now wants to kill her younger son. So she sent and she called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you intending to kill you i hope that's not going on with any of you guys and your families now therefore my son obey my voice arise flee to my brother laban in iran and stay with him a few days you guys know that these few days ends up being 20 years until your brother's fury turns away until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you've done to him then I will send and bring you from there. So it'll never happen, okay? Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? So it's sad, guys, because there's a good chance here this is the last time Rebecca ever saw Jacob. Okay? Consequences of her sin. Um, Rather than trusting God, she takes matters into her own hands and she turns her older son against her younger and it costs... um, the fellowship of her beloved son. Now, verse 46 And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So, this is another reason for sending Jacob away. Rebekah doesn't want her son marrying a non believer, right? So, she sends Jacob north. Uh, east to Haran, back to her homeland, and then in verse or chapter twenty-eight, then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him, and charged him and said to him, "You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Pannon or to the house of Bethuel, the mother's your mother's father, and take for yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make." You fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples, and give you the blessings of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are uh, a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Jacob will pass on the Abrahamic covenant unto his 12 sons, which become the fathers of the 12 tribes, right? Okay, So the one and true living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now let's look at verse 5 here. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padamoram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Cyrene, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. And Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padamoram to take a wife from there and that as he blessed him, he gave him charge, saying, You shall not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob ob- or had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Meth- uh, Maheloth, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebagjoth, Uh, to be his wife in addition to the wives he had. So in chapter 26, verse 34, we're told that Esau already had two Canaanite wives. Here, he doesn't want Jacob to one-up him, so he tries to marry a member of his extended family. Guys, this is bitterness in action. That's what's going on with Esau right here. Um, Rather than concern himself with what's right, all he cares about is keeping up with Jacob, okay? And he's allowing his hatred to rule his life, okay? Do not allow hatred to rule in your hearts, guys. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it. Bring it to the Lord. Get right. Do we get angry? Absolutely, okay? Okay? But God wants to be there for us in it to deal with it. Okay. Um, verse 10 says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and he went down towards Haran. And so he came to a certain place and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and he put it at his head to lay down Uh, at that place to sleep so Jacob was exhausted with this whole ordeal with his brother Esau he needs some sleep and he didn't care what type of pillow he had okay this stone it's gonna work okay now verse 12 then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on earth and its top reached to the heaven okay to heaven and there the angels of God they were ascending and they were descending on it so Um, It reminds me of a boy who had a long-time girlfriend. And he said to her, I had a dream last night that I actually proposed to you. What do you think that means? And the frustrated girl responded, it means you're smarter asleep than you are when you're awake. (laughs) So the same can be said here of Jacob. Here's this conniver, this schemer, yet in a dream he sees his glorious vision of a ladder connecting heaven and earth and we have to wait guys two thousand years to see the spiritual significance of this dream you guys remember in the gospel of john chapter one there down towards the end nathaniel and what does jesus say to nathaniel there he says of this ladder he says it's speaking of himself i say to you hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So Jesus, guys, is that ladder. It is Jesus that allows us here on earth to make it to heaven. Jesus is the only way to reach God. Do you guys know this? I hope so. There's only one way, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father, gets to heaven, except through me. Guys, there's many religions in the world. There's many thoughts out there and opinions on how one can get to heaven. Well, somebody's lying because they can't all be true. There only really can be one truth if we're going to be truthful. And Jesus claimed to be that truth that way. He alone. And it's so cool because this is prophecy and who alone can tell the future? Oh, the one and true living God. So it's so cool that, anyways. Jacob, okay, he saw this prophecy of Jesus. Look at verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall Spread abroad to the west, the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Jacob was wrong in the deceptive way that he went about obtaining this blessing from his dad, but now God is, you know, affirming here the outcome is His will. Okay, Jacob and his descendants, the nation of Israel, are God's. Heirs of the Abrahamic covenant. And do you guys know that the Savior of the world is a Jew? He came just as God promised. And not just a Savior for the Jewish people, but for all peoples. Okay? And here we are, 2,000 years later, believing on the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Okay? God was faithful to His promises, guys. He always is. Now behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to the land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place! And this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So this was the turning point in Jacob's life. Out from under mom's apron, he encounters and experiences God for himself. Her God now becomes his God. I love this, okay? There are many times where we see our sons and our daughters, you know, walk away from the Lord. And that's a hard thing to deal with. But the reality is we all have to, you know, Take that step of faith personally, okay? Just because mom and dad are believers doesn't mean we're automatically in. God doesn't have grandbabies, okay? And I want to encourage you guys because like we see with Jacob, okay, it's not until he's out on his own until he has a real experience with the living God. And I've seen this often happen in friends' lives, um, where their kids go off and that's when they finally make their faith their own all we can do as parents guys is pray pray and pray sometimes we think if we just have it all down right and we do everything right okay for the perfect parents and that's going to guarantee that our kids will be saved it doesn't work that way guys yes we want to be godly examples We want to live out our faith. We want to love Jesus. We want to be that example for them, okay? But all we can do is point them to Jesus. We can't save them. We can't make them do what's right because doing what's right isn't what's going to save them. Jesus is what's going to save them. So that's why we need to be on our knees and praying for our children, okay? Because it is easy for our kids, when they're under our roof, to go through the motions, okay? Do the Christian thing but they're going to have to reckon (laughs) with God personally at some point. So, uh, be praying. Uh, Where are we at? Oh, 18, thank you. Then Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone uh, that he had put his head on. He set it up as a pillar. He poured some oil on top of it here, and he called the name of the place Bethel. Okay, the name of the city had been Luz previously. Uh, Luz means separation, and Bethel means house of God. Okay, so Jacob is separated, okay, from Isaac's house, but at Bethel, he becomes part of God's household. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Man, at this point, guys, Jacob's faith is weak. You guys see what's going on here? It's very conditional. If God will be with me, this is a far cry from my heroes of Daniel. You guys know Daniel's buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They didn't care. Nebi, we're not going to bow down to your stupid idol. Man, you can throw us in that fiery furnace, but even if God doesn't deliver us, which he's able to, but if he doesn't, we're not going to worship this. We're only going to worship God. And that is real faith, guys. It gre- My heart hurts for brothers and sisters when they come and say, Pastor, I don't know if I can believe any longer. Things aren't shaking out my way. I don't know if I can believe anymore. How could God allow this to happen? You guys know that God's not a genie in a bottle? It's not about him doing what we want. It's about us doing what he's asked us to do. Period. God is God. Our faith should not be conditional on what he's doing for us or not doing for us. He's still God. Okay? that should just be logical reasonable reality and because of that yeah we should have faith and say yes you're right you're my creator i'm here for your glory you're not here for my glory i'm here and been created for your glory what do you want god and we just go along with that um so jacob here has a long way to go still right um But at least this is a starting point in his life, okay? Because we all grow in faith. But I want you guys to catch here. Jacob prays. What does he pray here? In this stone which I have set on a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I shall surely give you a tenth tenth of it to you. So notice on Jacob's journey here, okay? His faith begins with giving 10% of what he has to the Lord okay? It's not the end of faith. And sometimes we think, hey, once I grow in the Lord and I'm mature in Christ, then I'll start tithing. And that's when I'm good and I've arrived. That's so backwards, guys. Here, Jacob started at the beginning of life. So what do you think about tithing, Pastor? I think tithing's great. I think the reality of giving to the Lord, it's a good thing. Because you know what? It's all his anyways. Do you guys know that you are have been bought with a great price, and you're no longer your own. If you are a believer in Christ, all that you have is his. You guys understand, it's all God's anyway. What do I think about tithing? I think it's good to give. I think it's part of God's nature. And if we're going to follow him and be like Jesus, didn't he give all of himself? We're in a place of God. What do you want? So when it comes to tithing, we're not under the law, guys. Do I think we should give? Absolutely. I think giving to the church is good, okay? And you guys know that a church isn't about having a nice building. We're very blessed to have a building, but we don't give for buildings. We give for the gospel, for the kingdom business, okay? Because let me tell you what, a lot of churches come and go. A lot of saints have gone before us. A lot of us are here today because of brothers and sisters who gave to gospel ministry And we're very grateful for that. We can look around the world. God's doing a lot of neat things. Does he need our money? No. But let me tell you what. It sure helps when our missionary brothers and sisters, hey, you know, we were given some money. We got food for our family. And we can have the time freed up to go do ministry rather than work and hopefully get an opportunity for a little bit of ministry. So what do I think? I think we need to pray. God loves the cheerful giver. And that's between you and the Lord. I can't tell you how much to give, but I think it is a good place to start. Even if you just have gotten saved, a babe in the Lord, start being like your God. Follow his example. Start giving. And one thing I have learned, you can't outgive God. He has been faithful. He is always faithful. So I would encourage you guys, talk to the Lord. What does it look like? What do you have for me and my family? So, moving on. Um, I think in enjoying our faith journeys, guys, um, I think when we agree with God on things and do things his way, that's when we begin to enjoy the ride, okay? And I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at in your faith walk, you know, keep moving forward, okay? There's always places to grow. There's always places to trust and to step out in faith. So Jacob has this dream in chapter 28, but now, chapter 29, he meets the girl of his dreams. Check this out. Jacob went on his journey, and he came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and he saw a well in the field, and behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth, now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. Now the stone, guys, was super heavy. Okay, It was uh, often take the combined effort of a couple shepherds uh, to move it because it guarded it you know, from unauthorized usage of other people. Um, and Jacob, we're told here, said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. And he said to them, do you know Laban of Nahor? And they said, yeah, we know him. So did they ever? You see, Laban was a bigger deceiver, conniver than Jacob was. Okay, So Jacob is about to meet his match here. This gets good. Um, And again, guys, Bethel is, you know, he saw God's glory there. But now as he goes to Haran, This is man's cruelty. And that's what he's about to step into. So he said in verse 6 to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. And he said, Look, it is still high day, and it is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, We cannot until the flocks are gathered together and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban's his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock. Uh, that Laban, of his mother's brother. So there's nothing like a macho demonstration for the ladies, right? And that's what Jacob, look at how strong I am, Rachel, you know? Um, But it worked, right? (laughs) Verse 11. Jacob then kisses Rachel, and he lifts up his voice, and he wept. So these are tears of joy, right? He had found the woman of his dreams. It's love at first sight. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was uh, Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. And then Laban said to Jacob, Because you're my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters, the name of the elder Leah, and the name of the younger Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel's were beautiful of form and appearance. So the phrase here, guys, Leah's eyes were delicate, can either mean she had weak, ugly eyes Or that she was ugly um, and it hurt your eyes to look at her. So it's either one here. Uh, Either way, Leah here is not attractive. Okay? And on the other hand, Rachel is beautiful. We're told in verse 18 now, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve serve you seven years. Okay? Were any of you guys ever engaged for seven years? I got engaged. I'm like, as soon as possible, baby. <laughs> like, we're going to get married, right? Seven years. Think about that. You serve seven years for Rachel, uh, our younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give you, or her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed only, catch you guys, a few days to him because of the love he had for her. I hope you guys notice that love is always willing to wait. That's what I uh, take away from this. For um, many guys, uh, lust is something that can't wait. Immediate fulfillment. But true love, guys, that will wait. It is willing to bide its time. Okay, It doesn't resent. It doesn't begrudge. Okay, Love is patient. And it's been said, lust can never wait to get. Love will always wait to give. Big difference there. Look at verse 21. Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place, and they made a feast. Now you guys know that their marriage celebrations week-long party okay so they partied for a whole week leading up to the wedding day and what do they do at the parties oh they like to drink so Jacob got pretty drunk so catch what happens now it came to pass that evening that Laban took Leah his daughter and brought her to Jacob and he went into her and Laban gave his maid Zilpah uh, to his daughter Leah as a maid so now fast forward about Eight hours. Uh, So it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah. So again, Jacob kisses a girl and cries, but now it's for a different reason. Okay? He kissed the wrong woman. He went to bed expecting to hug Rachel. Instead, he wakes up with his arms around Leah. So, guys, every married person encounters the same experience. At some point after the wedding night, we wake up and we realize that we haven't married the person we thought we (laughs) were gonna marry. Every married person, in a sense, is married to two people okay, to a Leah and to a Rachel. In many ways, your spouse is like Rachel, right? Uh, Beautiful. But there are other ways that she's like Leah. Uh, Rachel's a part of your spouse that you love, that you're attracted to, that you absolutely adore. And you could you know, be forced to wait for this Rachel for seven long years. And your love for her uh, would cause it to seem just a few days. But you're also married to Aaliyah. So this is the side of your spouse that was a surprise, okay? When you married, you know you knew you were getting a Rachel, but you didn't know about the Leah. He's ornery, he's ugly, and he's really self-centered, right? And then you see the side of her that was covered up, that was maybe veiled, that was hidden before. You're seeing it now. And hey, I don't care how long you date, guys. Or uh, before you're married, it could be seven months, it could be seven years, okay? You're never going to learn all there is to know about that person, okay? And once you guys are married, some of you are, you're learning, wow, I don't know it all, okay? (laughs) I'm still learning stuff about them, okay? There are still surprises. Uh, On Tuesday, I got to celebrate uh, 19 years of marriage, you know? And I text my wife, hey, babe, uh, Red Lobster, is that your favorite restaurant? You know, we've gone there a few times, special events. Wanted to take her out somewhere nice. And she texts me back, not really. <laughs> 19 years, guys. I always learned something new. I still don't know what it really is. It's probably Chipotle. But anyways, um, the reality is, guys, every one of us is married to Aaliyah. There are aspects of our mate that are ugly. There are blemishes, and there are things uh, that come out. Uh, but you were drunk, in love, and you overlooked a lot of those things. You guys ever have that happen? I've done some premarital counseling. Hey, guys, good to get to know you guys. We're diving into some real-life issues and questions. Here's some warnings that I'm seeing, okay? Man, rose-colored glasses. I don't care. We're so in love. It'll all work out. You know, It's just one of those things when we're in love. We don't always see everything the way they really are. But uh, when it comes to our spouses, guys, uh, we've made a commitment before God. There is a covenant before him that we have made with one another. Okay, And I believe when we do uh, commit to that covenant and do things God's way, it can always work out, no matter how bad that Leah might be. Okay, God's design is good. Uh, A little more context from the scriptures here. It says, Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must be done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn, or it's not to be done. So how those words must have stung, right? Jacob the deceiver is the one who gets deceived as the old saying goes what goes around comes around right so Laban continues here in verse 27 guys it says fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for her service which you will serve with me still another seven years so the first mention of week here is referring to seven years and you guys who are uh, prophecy peeps you guys know Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 and on Uh, Neat prophecy there that brings up a set amount of weeks until Jesus would come from an appointed time. You guys in the Bible actually told us the day Jesus was going to come the first time. Pretty darn cool. Anyways, moving on to verse 28. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So, he gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife also. And Laban gave his maid, Billa, to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. And Jacob also went into Rachel. And he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. So Jacob ends up agreeing to serve a total of 14 years to marry Rachel here. The story reminds, well, I'll share a different story. Two little boys go to a wedding. And one boy asks the other boy, how many wives are you allowed to have? And the other boy says, sixteen. For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. Sixteen? Four? Do you guys get it? Oh, I gotta bring my kids up here. They got it. Sorry. The point is, guys, polygamy. It's not biblical. Okay? God is not in to that, that it's not what he's ordained for marriage. uh, we know that God's ordained one man, one woman. That's. That, are you getting the joke now? You got it now. Good. Yeah. Four better. Four worse. Okay. Cool. You guys need more coffee. <laughs> um, but here, guys, um, it's neat because eventually Jacob does come to love Leah. And we're going to see that as we wrap up here uh, this morning. Um, but right now, it looks like he's never going to love her, okay, as much as Rachel is loved. And I believe when we do marriage God's way, his design for it, uh, love's going to grow, okay? Uh, I haven't met a couple yet that haven't had their struggles in their times, a um, frustration. You know, And I've seen many times where people are ready to just call it quits. We're over. We're done. There's no way through. But I've seen a surrender, a humility where say, all right, we're going to try. And we're going to try to do it God's way. And it grows and becomes beautiful. And there ends up being a depth of love in a marriage that they've never seen before. It happens all the time. Um, I think... We play way too much into feelings. I f- feel in love with you. I think that's good for courtship. Like, yeah, you know, we should have feelings of love for people. That's a, that's a good thing. But I think that is so blow, overblown when it comes to marriage itself. Um, I've had people tell me, hey, I, I'm, I'm, we're divorcing. We, we don't love each other. We fell out of love. What is that? you guys understand love's not feelings a part of it but love's a choice it's a decision it's a verb it's something you do you know I look like this courtly love thing that we're doing in our culture present history most of mankind did not roll that way most were arranged marriages and I was like you know growing up in in this time I just thought that was the goofiest thing how can, how can you make that work that's totally wrong but I think about how many of those marriages you know were well lived in those two people that were arranged they really learned to love and to cherish each other because it's a choice I, I choose to love you and in that love grows. I don't know about you guys, but when we choose to do what's right, when we choose to love sacrificially, unconditionally, we love our spouse in that way. Sometimes we don't always feel the love when we're doing it, but often when we do the action, the feelings eventually follow, you know, and they come in and they're a part of it. And I do believe marriage can get better. Like honestly, 19 years of marriage, I can say, I love Sonny more today than I've ever loved her. I'm more in love with her today than I ever have. you know And I do believe marriages can always get better. So maybe you're in a place where it's hard right now. I encourage you guys, do it God's way. Do what God's asking you to do. Fight for your marriage, love, okay? Uh, so let's go on because this kind of gets a little interesting uh, here. okay? We're told in verse, Uh, 30 here in the beginning Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah uh, but there's a very strong evidence that slowly over time Jacob's initial feelings change verse 31 when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved he opened her womb and Rachel was barren so Leah conceived and bore a son and she called his name Reuben for she said the Lord has surely looked on my affliction Now, therefore, my husband will love me. So at first, your heart breaks for Leah. She's always longing for her husband's love here. But notice what happens next in verse 33. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. So Reuben means see. Simeon means heard So the Lord saw her barrenness, heard she was unloved, and made her fruitful. And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, Now, this time, my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi, and Levi means attached. Obviously, Leah kept working at her marriage here, and all that You know all that's mentioned here, all of her efforts, um, her three labors here. uh, But I'm sure she labored in many other ways in trying to make this situation benefit her marriage. But I love where thirty verse thirty-five takes us because finally here it tells us, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And then she stopped bearing. You guys know that Judah means praise? Okay? She now chooses to praise the Lord. So the implication uh, is the hard work paid off with the birth of Judah. She praises God. And at last, she experiences enjoyment in marital love and no longer has the need to bear another child. And I do believe that. I think the... The most enjoyment we can find in our marriages is when we're enjoying Jesus first. Okay? And there's just a natural overflow. So enjoy him. Um, So when you jump ahead a little bit in the life of Jacob, you find a very interesting choice that he makes. We're told in Genesis chapter 49 on his deathbed, uh, with his last breath, he makes a final request and he says, bury me in the cave, where they buried Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and where I buried Leah. Wow! You'd think Jacob would want on his final, final resting place to be next to Rachel in Bethlehem, but no, he asked to be buried in Mamre alongside Leah. So on the first night of their marriage, he resented lying next to Leah, but at the end of the road... Um, together, you know, his utmost desire was to be next to her. And Jacob wanted to make sure until the resurrection of his bones that he was laying next to Leah. His heart, guys, had turned. And it's ironic, okay, but Rachel died in Pure uh, or sorry, prior to uh, Leah here. Thus, Leah was the wife who ended up with Jacob all to herself. And it was Jacob and Leah who enjoyed growing old Together, and it's also interesting that through Leah, not Rachel, Judah was born. Because which tribe did our Savior Jesus Christ come through? Through Judah, right? Uh, the kingly tribe. Uh, so the lineage of our Savior is through Leah and not Rachel. Perhaps this was God's way of putting the stamp of approval upon the union between Jacob. In Leah, the royal line came through their union. So in the beginning we're told Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah, but in the end the roles are reversed here, and that's why I love, or why I say Jacob should have made a life with Leah. You know, you make it work. The grass isn't greener, guys. Okay? This is your spouse. Make it work. Um, We're going to discover next time when we get into Genesis again, guys. Um, With Jacob's home, (laughs) his house, not a very happy one, okay? This is a very messed up family. I don't know if you guys are catching this, but there are a lot of practical things for you and I to learn from their examples, okay? And I'm hoping that you guys are catching a lot of this because it is super practical for us. And you and I will be back into Genesis in a few weeks. Next Sunday is Father's Day, kids. Remember your dads. Uh, that's next uh, Sunday. We'll be in Romans 7. So you guys can read ahead there. Following week, we're on vacation. So David Ferrazzo is going to be teaching. Um, and then the following week, we'll pick back up in Genesis. So you guys be reading ahead there. Sound good? Cool. Well, Father, we are grateful. Uh, for Sunday mornings, it is good uh, to get into your word. You've declared to us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And uh, I know it's so easy for us often to just neglect uh, Old Testament accounts like this. But we're so thankful that they've been recorded and that we have the privilege to, to study them and to know them and to learn uh, just from these examples. God, And we desire to be men and women of faith. God, that are trusting your ways and your plans and waiting upon you, Lord, and stepping uh, out only in faith. Lord, we pray that you'd give us wisdom in how that looks and what you're asking of us. And as we consider here this morning marriages, we would pray for uh, those marriages represented here at Freedom Fellowship. God, just please protect and watch over uh, each and every one of them, Lord, and I I would pray with my brothers and sisters that you would just be at work in such ways, God, that there would be uh, growth and enjoyment like never before in each and every one of them. God, We're so thankful for that gift. We're thankful for uh, who who you are and that we can live a life of enjoying you and praising you. And we know that when we do that uh, foremost, uh, other things just work out the way they're supposed to. We do thank you that you hear us and that you're near us, God and that you are with us. We thank you for this time. pray for all that you set before us. God, help us to just walk with you. Um, Yeah, and step with your spirit. We ask in your name. Amen.